At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. I have kept this interview secret for a long time. Way back before we actually made the decision to buy camels, I did an interview with a couple of camel experts who you are about to meet. I didn't release the interview because I wasn't sure if we were getting camels or not. What they had to say changed my mind about camels and whether or not they needed to be on our farm, and it just might change your mind. Let's jump right in to this discussion about camels. Do they belong on your homestead? We have been doing a lot of research into this animal, and up until this point, this has been a top secret subject on our channel. We haven't shared with you any of the information that we're about to share with you. Uh, we've been looking into this animal for reasons we talked about in a previous video, uh, so you may know what we're talking about. We have some very special guests that I want to introduce you to. Uh, they're camel experts, and they're going to help us uh, talk all things camel tonight. They're going to answer a lot of questions. Why would you even want to bring a camel onto your farm in the first place? We're going to talk about managing camels, working with camels. So I'd like to invite Russell and Tara onto the show. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having yeah. us. We're so pleased to be here. Well, welcome to the show, guys. We've been really looking forward to this interview. Uh, my wife first stumbled across your guys' information because she was Googling camels. And apparently you're one of the top finds when you Google the word camel. How did that happen? Yep. How'd you wind up to be a top Google search result for the word camel? We're really the only ones that are actually blogging consistently about camels. Um, so it's kind of not that hard. <laughs> okay, well, I'll start first. Well, first, we're from, we're from Australia. We're from obviously. Australia, yeah, from East Gippsland. You may have heard of the area with the recent bushfires. Yeah, that's us. So we're, we're on the map now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Bad way. We're, we're okay. Yeah, getting involved with camels. Well, I was actually an English lecturer um, many, many moons ago, and my mother passed away, and she did a lot of charity work uh, for the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. And I decided that I was going to do something to honour her. And the decision was I was going to walk across Australia with a herd of camels um, for a children's charity. Uh, 13 years in the planning and preparation and changing my lifestyle from being an English lecturer to being a camelier and learning about camels, making sure that I had all of the resources in my toolkit so that I could survive out in the desert quite nicely and do the two-year walk 
Um, so yeah, that happened. The two-year walk. I, I went from um, the top end of Australia and uh, sort of zigzagged my way through the desert uh, down to the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne for a children's charity that brings children from third world countries uh, where they don't have the medical facilities into the children's hospital and, um, and save their lives, basically. So, yeah, that's how I got involved with camels. And then uh, I started safaris out in the desert and that's where I met Tara. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any questions? Oh, man, like only a thousand questions. That was quite a story. <laughs> we could do an entire podcast just on the story of this track, two-year track uh, on well, camels. I wish uh, we could right now. You don't, you don't have to. Just buy the book. It's called Camel Man Dreaming, and it's on Amazon. You guys, there we go. You got it together. <laughs> Tara was a horse trainer, and uh, she'd been traveling around, and I met her out on a cattle station. And, so we uh, were both like in the middle of it, like remotest area possible, and like you just you wouldn't think you'd meet interesting people out there. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's there's definitely more cattle than you know people out there. But um, in this instance, I was told by somebody um, in the local area that I I should you know in quotes meet Russell because he's walked across Australia with camels and you know he's all this and all that. And I was just a bit like, what? Like, you know, is he crazy? Like, what sort of person does that? And to be honest, it was, it was probably a bit more of an ego thing as well because I was all about horses. Like, my dream was to trek with horses across Australia and around Australia. So I'm like, camels? Uh, don't worry about those. <laughs> um, so I ended up meeting Russell and his camels that he had at that time. And I was just like blown away by I've always worked with large animals but just the camels and how they want to really connect with um with humans and they really they just they 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 form such strong bonds I saw the bond that Russell had made with his camels I was I was a little bit skeptical because I, I didn't want to meet a you know, so-called camel person who was just going to be really heavy-handed. I've never believed in that with large animals. I never believed that large animals need a really heavy hand and need dominance and all that masculine kind of stuff. Um, so I, I was a bit sceptical in that sense. But then when I saw Russell with his camels, I'm like, oh, my God, like he's totally on the same page as me when it comes to large animals. And um, I fell in love with the camels first. First. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and then I fell in love with Russell a few months after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took a few more months. Yeah, nah, nah, there's a bit of nah. <laughs> Total uh, years of experience. Uh, you guys have lots of experience with large animals in general. Uh, total camel years experience. Uh, up to this point, how many years have you guys been working with these animals? I've still got three of my original camels that wow. uh, I that I trained and uh, and and walked across Australia with, and that happened. Uh, let's see, hang on, that's 13, 15, and we're looking at another ten, so that's twenty five years. Mm. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> the reason we've been looking into it is because of health reasons. So we have a uh, a brand new, he's, uh, let me see here, uh, seven months old now. No, we might be past seven months, eight months old baby. And uh, for the first time after four other children, we have five children, four children, the fifth one, uh, we're dealing for the first time ever with some serious food allergies. One of the solutions that we've been looking into for gut healing and gut issues is camel milk. Sure. Uh, but that's what brings us. So we've been looking at it for health reasons. What other reasons do people get into camels other than camel milk uh, and I, health? Can I actually get into this first? Well, wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just want to—I just want to say uh, something uh, yeah. very quickly. Uh, I'll be quick. Is that there's there's so you're you're wanting to get into camels for health reasons? Well, health, you know, that's very very broad in general. Let me just tell you that your mental health will be just as good as your actual oh, health. Oh, as oh well. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The camel actually is known in India in the state of Rajasthan. Uh, it, it's one of the symbols of love. And, and because of the connection that camel can have with a human being and the amount of love that these animals have, that, that, that just the, the, the whole mental being, uh, every client that we get coming out with us, whether it was on the um, desert safaris, would even be the one-hour beach ride. And, and even yesterday where people were just taking photos of the camels and just standing with the photos it's just like being uh, with the, the camels, camels. They, they just said, how peaceful it is mm. and how you know gentle they are and, and how how they feel at calm um, being just around the camel. And I, we get this all the time. I mean, you know, just 100%, 100% of the people that hang around with camels uh, in our experience. That's all. But I wanted to say, okay, there's so much that a property is going to benefit from having camels on. Now, this is the guts. Just I'm going before to... you get into that, I just think the lighting has just gone bad, so I just might... Can, he, can you see his face is really white? It is, yeah, he is. He's got that yeah. camel uh, glow. Just... <laughs> <laughs> is that is any that good a, again? Now you have a bit of a halo, but let's try that for a little while because it's a little clearer. Let's try that for a bit. I'll let you know if it changes. Well, I can understand the halo. It's yeah. that camel, isn't it? The camel love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to get to the guts of why camels uh, on properties uh, is so beneficial. I mean, not only have we just talked about, you know, sort of the calmness that the camels provide for a property, um, and also, you know, look, when you get with um, with Christina and talking about her book, Camel, uh, Camel Crazy, and the health benefits of camel milk. So there's those two things. There's another one which, uh, how can I say, it's, it's, it's a natural way of, of uh, making sure that your property is well maintained. And that the camels, their preference is for wo the woody weeds. Yeah, so in by, general, by nature, they are not grazers like horses and cattle. Like they're not, they're not uh, ground eaters. Oh, they're actually, grass, yeah. they're actually uh, topper eaters. Like they eat tops of um, shrubs and trees and and plants. Um, and they prefer weeds over like if there was a weedy paddock and a and a pastured paddock, they'd most likely be grazing on the weedy paddock depending what it was of course Look, um, for example i mean when we bought this property two years ago one of the paddocks it's probably about oh, i would say about four acres uh in size it was covered in blackberries mm. right just 
covered in them, uh, blackberries that were almost as tall as me. And, um, and in that two years, the camels have literally annihilated all that blackberry. It's still present, but it's well and truly at ground level. And you might see a leaf or two, you know, shooting out of the ground. But that has totally just annihilated. So they just managed that. Like, and interestingly enough, especially for you, Austin, is that we had got like the previous owners of our property. They had goats, and they the goats did nothing compared to what the camels had done. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. And we've also got. I don't know if you. I don't think you have it in the states, but we've got this plant. It's bracken, and nothing eats it, and it's just bitter, and it it's a bit of a weed. It just grows and. You can't really, you can kill it off with pesticides and stuff. And stuff. Yeah, but yeah. like, you know, that's not really our way of doing things. But the camels don't eat it. They actually sit on sit it. Sit on it and squash it. <laughs> and they squash it. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly got rid of the blackberries. They'll get rid of cake weed. They'll get rid of just about every other weed that, you know, I can think of. Wow. And, of course, what that means for your pastures is as the weeds are getting eaten away, then your grasses are growing, mm. which providing more food for your cattle and or because, sheep. And because the camels don't eat the grasses per se, they'd rather eat the weedy stuff. They they co-graze perfectly with cattle and horses and, you know, all that sort of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And here's a big one for you, okay? This big one, which uh, some of the pastoralists here in Australia have actually cottoned on to the science of what this is all about. The camels have bacteria within their guts which uh which really break down the food matter that they eat uh, it, it, it's very very like micro breaks down micro yeah, yeah micro breaks down and so when the camels go ahead and drink from the water trough some of that bacteria of course goes into the water trough water cattle come along drink that water it lodges in their stomach and over a period of time, your cattle will, and this has been proven time and time and time and time again. There's actually been papers written on that, it. Yeah, that your cattle will put on weight. No Because they're, they're actually absorbing more of the food that they're just normally eating because mm. of the gut bacteria that they've picked up from the camels. I don't know if you picked that up on the camera, but my jaw just was like, what? <laughs> that's, that's a new one. I ha And we've been doing a lot of research here, but that's pretty awesome. So, Well, they, yeah. they actually field tested it in Australia with um, on a big cattle station here, um, cattle ranch, I suppose, you know, compared to you guys over there. Um, and they wrote papers on it. We still can't, like, we've Googled pretty far down because it was many years ago. And we can't seem to find those papers. Um but yeah, we there's a lot of anecdotal records uh, from just private people that have uh, you know made comparisons with their neighbors who haven't got camels. Um, but there is actually scientific research and papers written on it wow. from overseas. Yeah. yeah, so the other thing with camels and co grazing them, um, this I mean, there's so many benefits to having camels, mm. but as you know, cattle, you know, they, they're hard hooved, oh, they have you know, so. Things like watering holes and ponds, you guys call them. We call them dams in Australia. The cattle can kind of really rough that up and, and mess it up and you have to dig it out regularly. Yeah. Well, the thing with camels is they have a padded foot, so they're, they're not hard hoofed at all. They've got two toenails. Um, 
and so and they're just they're just so gentle and soft on the environment and on the earth um so that's sort of why they um they're sort of known to be the ghosts of the desert as well as the ships of the desert because as soon as the wind blows you can't even tell it can't tell been there. So, yeah. Yeah. can i give you another thing about for the ranchers okay yeah. this one's a big one for the ranchers because i know how expensive the ranching can be um especially with your water points now you take an area, uh, two areas, okay, side by side, uh, um, which uh, you can have you know, cattle and camels, all right? So, you know, the two ranches. With the size ranch um, where you've got your water points for cattle, because cattle, of course, can only move about 10 kilometres away from water um, for, grazing. for grazing, and then you've got to have another water point, okay? So take that area has 65 water points for cattle, uh, quite a large ranch. But those 65 water points, of course, you've got to look after them. You know, there's all the maintenance, there's all the pipe work, there's the drilling for, you know, bore work, all the, all the expenses, plus going around doing your water checks. Uh, it's a 65 in that land for the X number of cattle, okay? In the ranch next door to you, with the same number, same number of head of camels, right? same environment, same number of head of camels, you only need one water point. Now, you can imagine, <laughs> can you imagine? This is going to be the face of the show, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and the, can you imagine the cost saving oh my to goodness. the ranchers if they changed over from cattle to camels as you're as you're that in itself telling me this i was trying to draw quickly like a little infographic here i'm real high tech <laughs> with my i don't know if you can see there but there's like 65 dots and i was getting ready to go okay how many do we have to put on the other side one 65 <laughs> to one like that's what that looks like uh, and the reason the reason for that is the way how camels go about things all right now the, the, oh, where do you go? Okay. Well, I, well, it's because the camels will go into the water trough, take their 150 litres in one sitting, and then wander around up to 65 kilometres a day just wow. browsing. Uh, but there's not, there's not three or four days later. I might have to do it again. But there's not only that, but if it's if it's winter or spring and you get the dew on the grass, they mm. actually they water themselves off the dew of the grass as well. So you, they can go days without, you know, drinking water because they're literally getting it off the morning grasses or the morning trees and shrubs and stuff like and that. And if your plants are actually like moist, look, full of moisture and it's cold, and they're not really working, I and mean, no one's working them, they can almost go for months without a, a drink at all. That, uh, we we just spent, and it's all to scale. We're not a rancher. We're a small homestead, and we have a small group of yeah. animals. But we just did a huge project to put in an automatic waterer for our our animals. And the automatic mm -hmm. waterer that we installed, the unit itself is a, probably a $500 unit. It's really great mm -hmm. unit. Works awesome. Made my life so much easier. But now I'm looking up at the field that we're about to fence in for our pasture, and I'm thinking, okay, how many more of these should I put in for our rotational setup? 
And yet, even on a small homestead scale, this would simplify. I don't have 65 watering points. I have maybe six mm. for my cows. Uh, but yeah, to be able to eliminate that and just let them come and get a drink and then off they go to the pasture for a day or two, depending on the season, that's incredible. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com yeah. So the thing to remember of everyone listening is camels are like, we're like built by the gods. Like everything is everything in their body, everything that they do works for them and their survival. So even things like if it's dewy in the morning and you've got the wet, you know, the wetness or the you know the wetness in the air, their nostrils will actually absorb water too. And with the food, of course, like the the best sort of food that they can eat is um, the high protein stuff that's in the, the trees and the shrubs. Um, and you know, like they're not big, they're not pasture eating animals, but of course they can. They will. Yeah, um, grass is only about eight percent of their natural diet. Yeah, like uh, that. That was sort of like another case study that yeah. happened. So, like everything that they eat, everything that they drink is designed to work for them. So, if they if they're overeating, they'll generally um, store because. And camels do overeat. And this is the biggest problem we have as domestic camel oh, owners. Yeah, yeah. Because camels are survival animals, they will eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and eat until <laughs> they make themselves sick. Um, especially if you've got things like, you know, alfalfa hay, which is lucerne in Australia. Like, they'll just overeat that yeah, big time. They're real opportunist in their feeding. And, uh, of course, then the hump gets big. But, you see, the hump, of course, is their food reserve that they deliberately put onto their bodies for uh, reserving food when they need it in in sandy desert areas where there's no food you know where they might end up uh, you know sort of really so the actual domestic problem we have with camels in australia like pet camels in australia in the united states is overfeeding them because um they just don't ever use their reserve which they're designed to use and i want to talk about their fat <laughs> i love their fat i love their fat um <laughs> so well first of all their hump is full uh, of fat, fat. Yeah, yeah yeah not not water, water. <laughs> okay so the water the water they'll suck up you know they're 150 liters if they're only just getting water every couple of days they'll suck that up it'll take about a day for it to be absorbed into the bloodstream now, their blood blood corpuscles are actually shaped like this like of course when you get such an inject uh -huh, like yeah. an oval yeah yeah, yeah. so when uh when when your blood corpuscles uh, are getting so much water in the bloodstream, that it, 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 the puzzles change shape to suit us. If we tried to do that, our blood corpuscles would be exploding all over the place and we'd be dead. But anyway, that's beside the point. But they hunt with the fat in lean times, they'll draw on that fat for you know food reserves for their muscles and that you know for working. And the byproduct of the chemical reactions that occur with uh, burning up that fat is water they produce their own water wow <laughs> now have i convinced you enough about oh getting yeah a camel? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are pretty good man 
you know, you, you guys are talking about, oh, we want it for the health benefits. Like, but then there's all these other it's things. So much <laughs> like, that, you know, now, you, no, men- you mentioned the meat. Uh, and, and this is something I know for my audience, homesteaders, the things we want to get from our animals. We want to, we want to feed our families, right? Um, so yep. just in the specifics of milk and meat, they, they yes. sound like an incredible animal for the land, a good animal for people to work with, an easy yep. animal to work with because it's a survival animal. Meat and milk yep. yield um, for someone like a homesteader who's just getting into this. Also, yep. there's the yield. I know here in the States, there's the yield of you could sell the livestock like you, well, you can anywhere. You can sell livestock and make money. Um, yep. But me, meat and milk yields, what do you get from a camel? Is it reasonable to look at as a meat animal? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so they don't necessarily produce as much milk as the bovine. Um, look, if you're getting four liters a day out of a, cow, a camel, um, then you've done good. So, um, and the other thing with the health benefits, and I know Christine will talk about this, and I hope you have on you have her on your podcast because she's right. amazing knowledge. But right. for the health benefits of camel milk, you only need a little bit of milk. Yeah, you don't need like a big fat. You glass don't need like to drink a liter a day. You need like you know a couple of hundred mil, two hundred mil or something like that. So yeah. I don't know the specifics on that, but that's that side of it. But you know, like. If you're talking like a business plan with ranchers and, and even small homesteaders and stuff, like um, the like if you've got an, other animals, you're already making like making a like in a I suppose holistic way, you're going to get better grazing because yeah. the we- the weeds will be non-existent. Um, so you're going to get more meat on your animals, especially with Russell explaining the cattle uh, thing. Yeah, so if you've got cattle. I don't know how that transfers to sheep and other animals, but for cattle we know that that's the case. Mm. I I just want to say also for people who, you know, like your audience obviously listening to this, they're going to be saying, well, what's the difference between a horse and a cow? Um, And that's a question that we get a lot. And They're like everything. Well, yeah, (laughs) yeah, let's try everything. so not only with all that stuff that we've just mentioned there as well, but you don't have the issues of having to deal with hooves and feet and shoes and stuff like that. You know, they're a padded animal, very little, if almost no, you know, footwork is needed. Except if they're on pasture, like all the yeah. time, because if they're on pasture, their toenails don't wear down on anything. And but if they may need a bit of a shade. things like gravel or sand, like, we, we often encourage our clients to have big sand pits because the camels love rolling in it. Um, you know, like we've never had to maintain our camel's yeah. feet. They may, they're mainly on pasture, um, but we do have gravel here and take them for walks and stuff and yeah. easy fix. And the other thing is because because of their mouth structure, they can't accept a bit like a horse's bit, okay? So, um, yeah, it's a different way of uh, training them and techniques, uh, you know, to be able to manage these animals safely and correctly. And, uh, and yeah, they don't have a bit. And you don't have to do anything with the teeth either. Yeah. You know, not horses. You've got to, what, file them down or yeah. something like that. There's nothing like that with camels. We were just but grinding like this... cow teeth the other morning. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. yeah. So... Anything... You want to add if someone is considering this and they're looking at their homestead and they're thinking, you know, can I actually have one here? Do I have the right kind of brows for them? Versus one of the things that I'm wondering about here is we have lots of pasture, not a lot of brows. Um, shelter, do they need some kind of protection from rain, shade, anything uh, as far as keeping them on the property that you want to make sure you have? 
yeah, common so, sense plays a big part in all this. And also really no. great neighbours. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and not not just for the reasons that we're laughing about, but also if your neighbours are pruning certain bushes and trees and shrubs that, that you know the camel will like, uh, that's that, they can eat. that gets yeah. recycled to the camel. So, like, yeah. um, even citrus trees, they love citrus like if you're pruning and um, your your fruit trees and stuff most of that stuff they will happily eat so having a good neighborhood network is like oh if you're doing the pruning let us know and we'll see if you know that yeah. matches with the camels but you can go ahead and uh, create um you know alleyways if you like um along your fence lines um and, you know give it a couple of years and there's a, a food source um of different acacias for example or you know different trees that they will browse from so even if it's uh you know like your immediate location might be just simply pasture that's uh, quite suitable for cows and sheep um but uh you know in the longer term you know two three five years time um you know with a little bit of work and a bit of planning um then it can be also suitable for not only your cows and sheep but also for camels as well and you're regenerating and, your land as well yeah. which is also a and you're providing more trees on the planet which we need yeah so <laughs> You know, the benefits around, I mean, it's just huge. And you'll find, you know, also once you go ahead and start, to, like, planting these trees, then, of course, your native bird life will be coming back and that sort of thing as well. So you're actually helping the ecology. You'll end up with more insects around the place as well. And uh, as long as you're not cropping or anything like that, then, you know, you actually are pastoral. Um, that's beneficial all around. And, and you can branch out into, you know, with more uh, trees, more insects, therefore more bees, therefore beehives, you know, that, that it, it, you can look at it holistically yeah. and uh, include camels into that. Yeah. And of course, talking about shelter and stuff, like um, we know for you guys in the States a lot, you know, it, it snows in, in a lot of places. Um, it's really funny, like, because um, we've got a lot of our clientele is in the United States, is that they'll have shelters available for their camels and their camels will go in there. But when it's snowing, the camels will stand outside. Stand outside in the snow. So we always say it's a it's a good idea to have that available to them and have sand, um, like in the sheltered area, have sand, um, you know, because they love that. And yeah. if it is very wet country, which I know it can kind of get like that just as it's about to snow, it gets really wet and muddy, they yeah. need a dry place they do need a dry to place. stand, yeah. otherwise they can get foot rot. So Okay, yeah. so that's something we actually just did a big project here where we put a few good dry lots in, but we don't have sand, we have small gravel. And uh, so, oh, that's all right. same kind of idea. What about the I mean, rain? You know, do, do, do they need to be out of the rain? Or? No, not necessarily. It all depends on what sort of rain. I mean, you know, if you're talking rain that uh, is, you know, close to zero, um, you know, close to being snow, um, they'll probably find shelter. Um, if you've got some big trees, they'll probably stand underneath those big trees. But if you've actually got shelter, shelter, um, then, uh, like, you know, tin sheds or whatever, uh, they more than likely will go into that in time, um, get used to it, um, you know, especially if you've got, you know, something nice in there, if you've just built your shelter, 
and they're not going in there, well, stick some hay in there some, uh, that they like, some carrots or And something. here's the thing with and camels. Just get them used to it. And once they're used to something, they're going to be, we're, we're really in the oh, snow wow, here. Bad. I was going to say, you look like a... It looked like a painting in a church. That the sun. Yeah. Um, but the other thing to remember yeah, too, to the camels are built to survive. So if it is snowing or if it's raining and it's windy and it's cold, guess what? They will sit down. Their bums will be towards the wind, and they'll just ride through it. You know. Yeah. Very adaptable animal. Well, you guys have answered so many questions. Um, you know, this is something that we, we've been going back and forth on this for the last month, dealing with these health issues. Um, so, for yeah. anybody who's listening who has been a little bit interested, inspired by this, who wants to learn more, um, maybe wants to look at your, some of your ebooks, maybe considering take a course, where can people find, what do you have for the maybe future Camelliers out there, and uh, where can people find it? Great. So we, our website is camelconnection.com and we specialise in helping new camel owners become familiar with camels, um, learn the ins and outs, the training, the handling, the psychology and the wellbeing as well. And because we've got a resident camel vet, um, you know, she's incredible with her knowledge and she's so um, generous with her knowledge too. Um, so um, definitely, first things first, head over to our website, download the free ebook. Um, there'll be a pop-up there saying download Introduction to Camels ebook and that's a free one we offer and that will just give you a bit of an overview on what what camels are about, the fencing, should I get one or sh should I get two, do I get male, do I get female, like what, what are their behaviours like, sh can they ever be my friend, like all those little things that sort of go around in people's heads when they're considering camels. Now if you want to, if you've been completely inspired by this, um, you need to meet us in person and you need to do this camel training because it will, and this is not our words, um, this is our clients' words, it will change your life. Like people will come to us without, not you know, they don't want to buy a camel just yet, they just want to find out about camels. Okay. And then they'll do a course with us. Oh my gosh, like that's just blown my mind. There's so many things I can think of I want to do with camels now and, and so many projects and that really excites us because that's what we want people using camels. Um, so we, we go to we go all around the world. I mean, we do internet. If you want to have a bit of fun and a bit of a holiday, we've got international tours. We go to places like Jordan, India, Mongolia, they're, they're South Africa. Like, yeah. you know, we, we go to all the places. Um, so if you want to have a holiday and... <laughs> do you want to book uh, it's okay i got the cover of your phone <laughs> if you want to if you want to learn about camels and have a holiday we've got our international journeys um otherwise we do regular courses in australia which is all on our website and also the united states we're coming to the states this october um we'll probably hold a course in texas and then another location so well if you're interested yeah, in holding a course in pennsylvania there is a, a big farm in pennsylvania you might be able to teach a course from oh really <laughs> oh that's quite a ways well, from maybe texas, you have so. camels by then maybe <laughs> we will so i yeah maybe that'll be even easier that way and your cows will be fatter <laughs> perfect well, thank you guys so much. We'll have the links in the description on the podcast, on the YouTube video. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, we'll have links for uh, the website. We'll have links 
uh, from the website, they can find your podcast and they can find your videos as well? Correct. So I usually ask my guests, because we've been homesteading for 10 years and we got lots of animals and we got a lot of experience, usually I ask my guests to inspire the listeners who are on the edge who might want to try this. But here I am, the one who's on the edge who might want to try this. So what would you guys (laughs) tell me? I'm on the edge. I'm like, "Mm, what inspiration? What's the next step that you suggest to help me go from "Mm," to woo? Yeah. So I, the vibe I'm getting from you is you need to come and do a camel course because that will change the game. Like you think you know now why you want camels, but once you've done a camel course, like an in-person one, um, that will just be next level for you. And I also think that something really valuable here would be to get two pieces of paper. All right. Uh, two pieces of paper. One is... Uh, where you would be in five years' time with your property if it's business as usual. And with what you've heard from now and any more research that you do on camels, um, where you would be in five years' time if you got camels in your life. And then make the comparison there. And then what? That's sort of more scientific rather than emotional. And then also where you would be in five years' time, you'd be much further along because... Once you get camels, it like, yeah, it changes people's lives. And that's just not what's changed our lives, but you can just do so much with camels. There's just so much to learn all the time. And and that's why they become addictive in that sense. I love it. You guys got the emotional side. You got the the hard facts. If you listen to the Homesteady podcast at all, any of our older episodes, you know, we like to approach things from both a logical and an emotional side and kind of throw them at each other and see what happens. So thank yeah. you guys so much for taking this time. You've answered a ton of my questions. You've given me some next steps, some homework to do. And if you're watching or listening on the podcast and you want to learn more, uh, there'll be links below to get to the website. There you can find the free ebook. You can get the book that we are reading currently, which is about camel husbandry. And uh, those are the first steps, and who knows where that will end for all of us. How exciting! <laughs> Woohoo! Well, thank you guys so much. I, uh, this was awesome. There's <laughs> a lot that's been discussed. And, um, oh yeah. We already we already apologize for those that can't sleep tonight. <laughs> because like Camel our, your heads will be spinning, and yeah, it's it's a lot of information. But we really, I mean, our main goal is to excite people about camel ownership. And like I said, once you own camels, the sky's the limit. You know, Mm. it's really that simple. So, yeah. If you enjoyed this interview and you wish it was twice as long with twice as much topics covered, there is a version like that that exists in the world. Homesteady pioneers get access to our in-depth, full-length, unedited versions of these discussions. They also get to join us live for these interviews and ask questions of the guests. There's a whole lot of more benefits to becoming a Homesteady Pioneer too. Join us for the live shows, see the unedited full-length versions of these podcasts, or download the audio versions to listen in your car. In the extended version of this podcast, you'll learn what to look for when purchasing a camel to make sure it's a healthy animal. What were the physical things when you're going to look at a camel considering purchasing? That's right. Yeah. Tara and Russell also went on to talk about parasite management and control. Heavy rainfall 
and cause all the, the parasites are coming up out of the ground there. Well, that's where off the ground feeders. You can watch the full length version of this episode as soon as you become a pioneer and you get to access our entire library, all the extended versions instantly. Click the link in the description of this podcast to become a Homesteady Pioneer, or just head over to thisishomesteady.com, click on the shop tab in the menu, and then Pioneer Membership.